Ella, when are you and Aiden going to have kids? Ella doesn't want kids. Why don't you want kids? Well, you want kids. Um, the family is everything. I have a family. Don't worry, your clock will kick in. I mean, what do you do all day without kids? through this a million times and I'm happy with or without kids. I really wish I believed them. It's a couple of empty chairs at the table. Dad, can we not? I don't want children. I never have. I actually don't have a clock. All women have a biological clock. Maybe yours is just broken. A new biotech firm doing a clinical trial this month. I can get you in. It is the singular evolutionary goal of a species to procreate. That is our purpose. We administer a newly engineered synthetic hormone, pair that with cognitive behavioral therapy and the option of an implant. Deep breath. I might be a tough case. You're not a case to me, Ella. You're a human being and the best kind too. What kind is that? A woman. Today we'll be learning to perform maintenance. The family is everything. On a working clock. To reset the cog. I am out of time. Reset the cog. Your clock will kick out. Out of time. Working clock. Shut up! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike joining me as Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations, baby crazy ladies. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How the hell are you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good, despite my uh, hometown team just being eliminated from you. Uh, <laughs> well, so... I... <laughs> My hometown team was the, uh, eliminated from the NHL playoffs last night. The Kings Aww. lost to Edmonton. So, yeah, it's just not a good sports weekend, I'd say. Yep, and uh, the quickest thing that off my mind was, was watching a horror movie immediately after. So, um, yeah, it, it helped. <laughs> uh, also joining us, it's uh, Don and Ellie. What's up? Yeah, what's going on? Always happy to be here. All right, well, this week, uh, it was back to VOD, a uh, week off from theatrical, and uh, kind of a uh, funny coincidence that the movie, or the name of the movie, uh, it was kind of uh, coming down to uh, last minute to hurry up and find something. Um, you could say the clock was ticking on had <laughs> left to uh, uh, pick the movie in time. Just make a damn watch. already, right? Stop beating around the bush to make it. Ooh. <laughs> if you have to so work this hard to make a pun, clock. stop trying to force one. <laughs> I didn't even have to work at hard at all. To, actually, it was 100% uh, appropriate. I'd do it again. Do it again. But this week we're talking about Hulu's clock. Uh, the kind of synopsis off IMDb. The film by writer-director Alexis... Jack now will follow a woman's desperate attempt to fix her broken biological clock. Interesting. All right. So, uh, Hulu original. Let's 
we had or what we thought about it. So starting with General Thoughts Venom, what did you think about Clock? This was an interesting little movie. I'm, I'm not going to say that it was necessarily great. I had a decent time with it. I will say that it's an incredibly frustrating watch, at least for someone like me to have to watch all of these people, all of these shitty friends and family that our main character has and why they are all so fucking fixated on her womb and her, you know, ability to have a child and her desire to have a child. It's like I've never under as a 50 plus year old man who does not have children and married a woman who also never wanted children. I don't understand why it's everyone else's business that she doesn't want to have a child. Fuck you. What business is it of yours? The only people who even mildly have a right to say anything are her husband and her father. And even what they can say should be limited because ultimately it's a woman's fucking body. And if she has fears of childbirth, then just let her deal with it in her own way. And if she doesn't want to have kids, then fuck it. It seems like the husband was aware that she didn't want kids right from the start. So it was definitely more her friends and family, but so that's the frustrating aspect of the movie. Now there is some really cool symbolism and iconography throughout the film. There is a sequence in a deprivation chamber, a sense deprivation chamber that has some pretty cool symbolism in it <laughs> one uh pendulous baby fetus that actually kind of threw me back for a loop a little bit um overall the movie starts out pretty solid i have issues with the third act like sometimes it feels like the movie doesn't know whether it wants to be a psychological thriller or it wants to be a horror film like they'll throw in horror elements that end up meaning nothing by the time the movie is over ultimately uh, so really, this is this is really just under the surface, really just more an issue of mental health than, you know, um, society's look at how, you know, a woman should be. I know we discussed it with the Vivarium episode with, we reviewed like three years ago or something where, you know, that movie kind of has the same themes in there where it's a young couple trying to subvert society's expectations for them, but obviously <laughs> failing miserably. And this movie is kind of the same thing. I mean, the, our, our character is a 37-year-old woman who seems like she's very happy, has a very full life, yet every single goddamn person in her life is like, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? When the first thing out of my mouth is, what the fuck business is it of yours, if anybody ever asked me that? So, again... You know, being a guy, not having to deal with that kind of pressure of, you know, friends asking you, when are you going to have a kid? Maybe I don't understand. So, like I said, as I'm watching the movie, I'm just thoroughly frustrated for our main character and understand partially why she made the decisions that she made throughout the movie. Obviously, everything goes, uh, you know, the shit hits the fan eventually in the film. But by that point, the film kind of lost me, and I kind of had lost interest by that point. I, I just wanted to finish the movie to finish it, not because I was interested in how the story was going to end. So overall, a very well-made movie, beautiful cinematography, great score, nice iconography and symbolism throughout. Um, even sets, like even the sets, like the hospital, the clinic that she was at looked really nice. The house that she lived in was really cool. Um, overall, you know, on a technical aspect, the movie's great. From a storytelling aspect, eh, it, it leaves a little to be desired. I'd love to speak to a woman who watched this movie to see what her opinion is, because I know 
for me, this was just an hour and a half of frustration and just waiting for the end to come. The end, which is incredibly predictable. I mean, the, the final reveal is, it's so predictable. It was like, okay, just do it. Just, just do it. It's kind of like with The Stylist, if you remember. The Stylist was a movie that we all loved, but we saw the ending coming. We knew the ending, you know, up 30, 30 to 40 minutes before the movie even ended. We knew how it was going to end. And this movie is the exact same way. You kind of see the ending coming. So overall, a very well-made movie with, what, you know, what might be a likable story to some viewers. But for me, I don't know. I just found it to be kind of a slag. So, eh. Um, above average is probably the best I could say with a mild recommend to watch. That's it for me. All right. Uh, how about you, Don? Uh, yeah, I'm kind of right in the same boat, uh, with many of the, the same issues here. Um, I, I, I do like the setup. Um, I, I didn't have the kind of issues about, you know, whether or not it was their business or not. It was just my point of it's just the means of getting the story going about visiting the doctor and visiting, you know, the the clinic and all that. So, yeah, I, I, I see where Venom's coming from with, you know, what business of it is yours. But my rationale was just always it's just the means of getting the story progressing, which, yeah, I, I can see where he's coming from. But, I mean, I, you know, in my mindset, I it was just, you know, let's just get to the main gist of it some of the sequences are really enjoyable um i I do like the uh treatment that they do at the uh center i do like a lot of the you know the little flash images that goes on and you know whether or not she's trusting of all the the various things that happen and you you see like the the change in her um, behavior once she leaves the you know initial confrontations with her friends and stuff like that once she gets out and all that but yeah the, the final act of this is just all over the place um a lot of the revelations uh present here kind of take the film out of it being a horror film for me um i am fairly in that uh psychological thriller realm where it's not quite truly horror but it's kind of close enough the close enough genre to where it lands um but yeah a, a lot of the revelations make no sense it kind of undermines the horror imagery that it was going for in the first place and then you just get this absolutely asinine um, reveal like five minutes before it ends over a freaking phone call like what the fuck and all of that just it's just absolutely stupid Um, I I read that this was actually adapted from a short so um, uh, the same uh, I I don't know if the actresses are the same but it's the same uh, director so uh, I don't know what got lost in translation, but it, yeah, the, uh, there's probably um, a, a, a second a second draft was probably needed on this just to fill in some blanks because a lot of what goes on here kind of it, it undermines what came before. Like a lot of the reveals that come about just don't feel logical. They just feel more like Haha, surprise, got you kind of reveals. Not in the way. Um, that a lot of twists like this are supposed to come about, but they feel just like, okay, well, we got you. You know, you didn't see that coming, but a lot of it is actually pretty predictable. Like Venom said, um, you can see a lot of what's going on here. You can see that, you know, once she comes back, she's going to be completely changed and every, she's going to, you know, be more of like a traditional woman kind of a thing. And, 
it's treated as if these are like shocking reveals that a lot of what goes on here is supposed to be like, okay, well, you didn't see that coming, but yeah, in essence, you kind of did. And a lot of it is just handled kind of poorly. So yeah, it, it does have, leave a lot to be desired. Um, like I said, I, I, I do like a lot of the, um, you know, psychological, um, I, I'm really kind of struggling with the proper term here. And I, I don't want to use like psychological tortures for like her uh, unwillingness to go along with the you know traditional you know feminine mindset of being a mother and like a lot of the the issues that she has that just manifests like you you know these strange visual flashes or like freaky scenes that just pop up in her head. I, I mean, I, I don't know if like the proper term for that would be. And psychological torture is kind of like the closest one I can think of. But yeah, what was that? Uh, voluntary indoctrination is one I think of. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I I don't know if that truly explains it. I mean, I I know where you're coming from, but mm. yeah, like uh, you know the, the 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 imagery that it's supposed to represent is you know I mean obviously symbolic, but I I don't know if like it's supposedly like psychological torture or. What, but uh, a lot of that is actually really cool, and I, I do like you know he was saying this uh, imagery, this uh, pendulum imagery that uh, kind of references the title. I you know like another play on words with that. Um, I, I do really like you know that stuff, and you know the the sensory deprivation scene is pretty pretty fun. But yeah, overall, I, I just kind of felt kind of meh on it. Um, I mean, again, it just it it's so predictable. It's not really that original, and a lot of what it thinks is uh, shocking really isn't, and the reveals kind of take it out of the genre anyway. So, yeah, not really mandatory viewing, but I, I mean, I didn't feel like I wasted my time on it. But I, at the same time, it's also one that if, if it wouldn't have been for fresh cuts, I don't think I would have seen it. So, yeah. Um, for me, decent watch, not high recommend, but uh, you know, it's not a time waster either. So, I guess that'll kind of, uh, I don't, you know, that'll be where I stand on it. All right. Yeah, as far as I go, this, I'm kind of along you guys. I, I think it was, it was uh, above average. Nothing. I think Hulu kind of. I, I can't speak for all genres of Hulu movies because I don't know like every original show or movie they do. But for, as far as the horror movies, it's in line with kind of what they do. They they put out possible uh, movies. Most of them aren't like memorable every once in a while. Like when we were doing the Into the more frequent um, during that run, once in a while you would have a standout. Um, in series, but well, for the most Mon- part, they're. Well, wait, wasn't um, Little Monsters that zombie one? Wasn't that a Hulu original? Or... Yes. Okay, yeah, because I was gonna say that if that one was original, then that one was really good because that one actually made my top ten, I think. Yeah, they Hulu's made some decent movies. I mean, when they were doing the Blumhouse movies, there were a couple of I good mean, ones yeah, in no, there. That's... Yeah, the Into the Dark stuff. I remember that as being like yeah. the main stuff that they did, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to think of like the other stuff because as soon as he said that, that was like the first thing my mind went to, and I was trying to think of the other stuff, and like the first one that popped up was like Little Monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely have like their outliers that are, are better and that are. 
I just think as like a collective, they're kind of about like your, you know, six, six out of 10. They like a movie like this. Like, I think the setup is great. The theme of it is mm-hmm. inter- in, like an interesting story aspect to explore. It's just that by the end, they're pushing for a whole lot. Like it, it just feels kind of far the question. You know where it's going. Uh, the ending isn't really, as you guys said, it just kind of does what you would expect your average movie. To. No, I th- I think the the cast themselves. I think everyone's good in it. it. They're just script is kind of like you know just an average script. So they do what they can with yeah. it. Um, I, I did find it kind of interesting because there's a, another movie I saw earlier this year uh, called Husera One Woman um, that deals with a, Ooh, a very I similar love theme. That. I utterly love Husera. That is my favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Husera is far bit better than this. It, it, it's far. Oh yeah, better yeah. Than it, this, yeah. It's a much better. It's a much better movie. Um, it just reminded me because of the. Now there's a little difference in the character, uh, yeah. coming into, the, like as far as her thoughts on motherhood and where everything goes, but I. I they play with civil similar, subtext about the pressures of society. Uh, on on women to become mothers. Now this one this one, uh, you're kind of dealing with your average. It seems like upper middle class white woman, Husera. I mean, if you don't get it by the name itself, I think it's uh, is it Spanish or Mexico? I can't uh, remember. Mexico. It's, it's... Mexico. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So just by that, you know, you you get like differences in like culture. And pre- and so I thought it was very it's very interesting where that one goes. I, I has even more to say where this one the way everything wraps up in clock like you know, by the end of it not much has really changed. It's, it's just I don't know, without spoiling it's hard to explain, but hey if if this type of theme interests you, definitely check track down Hysteria, because I Yeah. And it manages to be good, kind of even almost being more dry in its approach. Um, there's not like as like crazy things going on as there is in Clock, as far as like this program and all that kind of. Uh, I just think Sarah's excellent, and you know, yep. sorry that I have so much time on my general thoughts. Speaking about another movie, but that just said, uh, yeah, but like it's. It's still probably worth your time. I mean, it's not a bad movie, especially like Venom said. It's a shame that you know if we would have known further ahead of time that we were doing Clock, maybe I would have tried to try to get like um, a few. But this was more a last minute thing that came up. Um, so it's just three dudes talking about uh, this uh, <laughs> this story. But uh, yeah, I would say middle of the road movie. I mean, it's on Hulu, so if you got Hulu and you like horror, check it out, because, I mean, that's kind of what we, we do. I didn't really even know this one existed a few days ago when I was just kind of looking around for potential things. That but, uh, What else can I say? Yeah, I, like I said, I, I like the cast. Um, and that's, that's probably it for general thoughts. Middle of the road movie. Um, say check it out on Hulu. Um Venom, back to you. <laughs> yeah, see, I, 
I, I was excited for this movie for the first, like, you know, uh, act of it. I, I thought the concept was different. I also tend to like movies where the protagonist goes to, like, uh, a, a clinic or a spa or some kind of, you know, some kind of retreat to help herself, help him or herself. Because those usually turn into good mindfuck movies. And this one just doesn't yeah, yeah. really get there. You know, I mean, there's a lot of symbolism in here. Yeah, which, as I've said, probably would mean more to a female viewer than a male viewer. But at the same time, you know, it just the story for me, the story just fizzled out as the movie went along. Like, literally, the movie just got less and less interesting as the acts went by. First act was pretty good. Second act was OK. Third act just leaves you kind of flat. And like I said, the the finale pretty much hinges on this one event that occurs in the film. And like I said, it's not really that much of a twist because most savvy horror fans are going to know exactly what happened in the scene in question, which obviously I can't really get into here if you haven't seen the film. But yeah, there's one major scene where, you know, it's an unreliable narrator situation where, you know, we're seeing the scene through her eyes, but it's still incredibly obvious to the to a seasoned horror fan what's happening in that scene. So by the time we get to the reveal, it's like, well, yeah, that's not a fucking reveal. I already figured that out. And then she goes and does what she does to end the film. And it's like, OK, so what the fuck was the point? Like, <laughs> I, I'm completely lost on the point of this movie again. I understand this movie isn't for me. I am a male. I don't have kids. I've never had a desire to have kids. So this movie is absolutely not for me. Um, so, you know, I, that's really all I can say is that, you know, the, the movie just didn't really speak to me. So I can't really praise it. You know, I, I wasn't riveted for an hour and a half. I wasn't like totally invested in this woman's story. I mean, I liked her so much better in the first act when she seemed almost like a self-realized person where she she understood I my my life is in its prime. I have this great husband who I've been married to for 10 years. I have this awesome career that I've been busting my ass for. I'm about to start my dream job in said career like this woman is literally living the dream. But because she doesn't have any kids. Everybody else looks at her as a sad case. And that is such a shitty fucking mentality that, you know, a parent looking at someone who isn't a parent saying, oh, your life would be so much happier with kids in it. How the fuck do you know that? How on God's fucking green earth do you know someone's life is going to be better with the kid just because yours is? That's selfish bullshit. That's, that's indoctrination. You want to talk about... You know, pedophiles and drag queens potentially grooming people. This is fucking grooming. This is society grooming women into believing they have to be little baby factories to have any sense of value in their life. And that's fucking bullshit. And here I am, a creature with a penis, and I'm pissed off about it. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but this movie just kind of wore on me after a while. I just got so frustrated with the general mentality of this film. Ah. And again, I'm an older man with no kids. So, again, I understand this movie is not for me. But God damn it, throw, put something entertaining in it. The only scene that potentially could have been bloody and gory, we don't even get to fucking see. You know, so. Or I should say we see it through the eyes of an unreliable narrator. So we don't even get to see all the good shit. 
So, yeah, this movie just really, really falls flat for me by the end. And then you get like a little epitaph there at the end that's supposed to be some poignant little scene kind of um, reflecting a story that her father mentions multiple times in the movie. But it's like, ugh, that was just bad. That just how they ended it, I just felt was really, really bad. And then, of course, the director, you know, having to stick herself in the film. I mean, obviously, this isn't a very popular, ultra popular director, so it's not like you're going to recognize her right away. But if you watch the film, uh, the girl that our main protagonist shares a cigarette with outside is the director of this film. That's Alexis Jack now. Um, And I'm actually I don't know. I'm almost surprised this movie was directed by a woman because it is a very female centric movie. Absolutely. But the ending is so, I don't know, it's almost like um, they're proving the point that if you don't want kids, you're broken, which is something that's mentioned multiple times in the movie, that this woman needs fixing. They use the word fix multiple times in this movie. And I'm thinking, there's nothing fucking wrong with this woman whatsoever. You're the motherfucker that needs fixing. Just leave this woman alone and let her live her... Fu- she was living her best fucking life. And because of all this shit uh, being thrown at her by her friends and family, she goes and fucks up her perfect life, you know, with with the intention of having a child. So, ah, yeah. By the time we get to the end, to the end of the movie, I'm just so frustrated with the director, the writer, just everybody involved with this thing, the people in it. <laughs> And it was actually great to see Melora Hardin again. For those, uh, for those of you who are fans of The Office, uh, Melora Hardin was, of course, Jan, um, who was at one point Michael Scott's boss and then girlfriend. Um, I was, I'm always a big fan of her because she always plays a really good bitch. Um, her character in this one isn't necessarily that much of a bitch. I mean, she's a doctor who's very set in her ways, but... It doesn't really come off as ultra bitchy the way that Jan does. But still, great to see the uh, actor because, you know, I I enjoyed her and I haven't seen her in a long time. So it's always great to see her. But, yeah, for all the the few things that this movie does well, it does about four times as many things wrong. So, and, of course, personal opinion. Somebody might watch this and think it's a 10 out of 10. And if they do, I want to speak to that person. Not to get into an argument. I I just want to truly understand you know maybe there was something about the movie that i missed being a childless male you know so i don't know i'll leave it at that i guess for now uh anything else you guys want to bring up before we get into our walkthrough Mm, i was kind of well i was expecting yeah uh, well, what kind of, I was trying to keep it big, but yeah, I was expecting a little more out of the third act than what we got to, because I think I agree with you, Venom, where I, I I thought the first act kind of established things well, and when our lead first goes to the clinic, you expect some shit to go down, because that's how a lot of these movies go, right? Someone goes, shows up to like one of these med clinics with an intention, and there's some type of man- manipulation going on. And then they end up like coming out like a completely different person in in some ways. So I think a lot of that was par for the course. Just where the third act, it, it kind of mm-hmm. I don't know if fall apart's the right word, but it, I don't know. We just kind of didn't maybe not fall apart. One of the things I don't like about the movie is that the movie doesn't have a true antagonist. There's no true villain in this movie. There's no one to kind of boo or you know rally against in this film. Like everybody for the like even the doctor 
who may come off as slightly nefarious as first at first seems to be just a doctor who believes in what she's doing. Like she's not trying to fuck people over, or, you know, make women crazy by any stretch. At least that's how it came off to me. Um, but yeah, uh, a horror film without an antagonist. I mean, that's why that's kind of why I'm not a big fan of stuff like cabin fever. Cause like the antagonist is a virus. Well, the, you can't, how do you, how do you fight a virus? Antibiotics. Well, th- that, that makes for a dull fucking movie. So again, personal opinion, that's just me, but yeah. What do you say? Get into some uh, spoiler talk. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, this should be a quickie walkthrough. Not a whole hell of a lot happens in the film. Um, our movie opens up with a woman standing in a city park. She's actually standing on a swing instead of sitting on it properly. She's actually standing on it. Uh, we, we see that she is pregnant, but we also see that there is blood dripping from uh, you know her huh, private area. Obviously, I think at this point in the film, you know, we're assuming that the woman had a miscarriage and she's having, um, you know, some kind of mental breakdown because of it. We see uh, that she ends up climbing on top of the swing set. She wraps the chain from the swings around her neck and she jumps to her death, committing suicide. And then when she does, we see her drop something. It looks like a little bloody, almost like a piece of jewelry at first. It's just some random piece of metal. It's covered in blood uh, after she drops it. So, you know, the mystery begins. Next, uh, we meet Ella. Ella is our main character for the film. She is a she's a designer of some kind, um, designing like buildings and and rooms and things like that. Not necessarily. Oh, maybe she's an interior decorator. I don't know. Something along those lines. Just, let's just go with decorator. Um, she does that for a living. She's uh, very fond of you know helping out her friends. So when her friend asks her to design and create her nursery for her expectant child, of course she agrees. But this is the scene where we start getting the friends just harping at her. You know, you know when are you going to have a kid? You know, you've been married for 10 years. You're about to turn 38, blah, 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 blah. Um, and later on, you know, after that scene, we end up uh, meeting her husband, um, you know, a very successful doctor. Um, and he seems to be actually pretty fucking cool about everything. Like, he's very, I don't care about kids, honey. I only want to be with you. I married you to be with you, um, which is the way it should be. You don't marry someone with the intention of having them pop out some babies for you. You marry them because you fucking love them and you want to be with them. So at first, <laughs> keep that in mind. At first, yes, our husband turns out, seems like a really cool guy and understanding and not pressuring his wife. Now, the pressure that she is getting is from her father. We later meet her father, who is a Hasidic, well, maybe not a Hasidic Jew, but he's a, he's a very uh, devout Jew. You know, he maybe wears the Orthodox, Maybe Orthodox. Orthodox, yeah, that's a yeah. better way to put it. Um, so, yeah, he's obviously, you know, old school. He wants her to pop out babies as much as possible. And he even talks about the story of how... You know, it's almost her. I mean, he even says it in so many words. It's almost your responsibility to to continue the bloodline. And and he even says like he flat out says to her, which really got me pissed off at him, that our bloodline ends with you because you don't want to have a kid. I'm like, what a fucking selfish piece of shit this guy is. Instantly, I already hate everyone in the movie who's given this woman shit for not having a kid. Ah, 
Anyway, um, throughout <laughs> yeah. the film, I'm sorry. Oh, no, uh, I'm disagreeing. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, it's just, yeah, like I said, this movie is easily one of the most frustrating film of 2023 for me thus far. We'll see. I don't think it, it, it never got to Darren Aronofsky's mother levels of frustration by any stretch, but you know, it, it did almost get there. It almost hit Greta levels of frustration, but not quite. Anyway, so her father tells her a story about how not just the family, but humanity relies on procreation that, you know, she should be having a kids, not just to continue the name and the bloodline, but to honor the generations past, honor your grandmother, your great grandmother. He even talks about going all the way back to when the first fish crawled out of the water to become the first primates on earth and blah, blah, blah. He's literally laying all of human existence on this poor woman's shoulders and basically saying, it's almost like he's implying the world will end if you don't have a fucking kid. It's, it's so disheartening to see a father, you know, an, an older Jewish father, usually a very loving man. And to see this kind of treatment to his only child, mind you now, I'm an only child, so I can definitely relate to this. Um, people telling me, oh, well, you're an only child, so you have to have kids or your, or your parents will never be grandparents. Well, guess what? Not only was I lucky enough to find a wife that didn't want kids, my mother has no interest in being a grandmother. At 74 years old now, she has zero interest in being a grandmother, and I love that about her because it puts no pressure on me whatsoever to have kids. And obviously, my wife and I are both in our 50s. Kids are out of the question at this point unless we adopt. Anyway, no, enough of Mr. Venom's life. Back to the movie. So um, the father basically guilt trips her throughout the film. She eventually ends up seeing a fertility doctor um, to get like a just a general checkup, her annual checkup. It might be a gynecologist, actually. I don't know. Again, female doctors. I don't know. Um, and she, after the checkup, she says that she's worried because she's about to turn 38 and her biological clock hasn't started ticking. Like she doesn't have the desire to have a baby and she's worried that it's not normal. To the point that even the doctor looks at her and says, well, maybe your biological clock is broken. It's just uh, more frustrating dialogue in this film. Uh, eventually, the, the doctor ends up um, recommending a facility um, where she can go and supposedly they can kind of work with you both mentally and physically to get you out of that non-desire to have a child. In other words, it's going to make you baby crazy. And we all know how these camps that try to change people work. I mean, yeah, because no one's ever gone to a, a gay conversion camp and then killed themselves afterward, right? Does mm -hmm. sound familiar, Christians? Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, so uh, she ends up taking the advice. She ends up going to this facility uh, this is where she meets Dr. Simmons, like I mentioned earlier, played by Melora Hardin. And she basically gets the introduction, basically lets her know that through prescription medication and therapy, we basically will get you to the point where you actually do want to have kids. And I'm thinking to myself, isn't that just brainwashing? Like, did she just volunteer to be brainwashed? I, I just don't understand what's actually happening at that point. But again, societal pressure, familial pressure, everybody in, uh, fucking in her life pressuring her to have a kid. So to an extent, I understand why she looked into it. 
Um, as it turns out, the facility and the program isn't really all that nefarious. They, th there is some prescription drugs that do have certain side effects, hallucinatory side effects. And um, during a session that she has with the doctor, one of the first sessions, they have this, it, it, it's almost like a Rorschach test, you know, the ink blot test, but it's, it's very different. Like she basically puts down these like metal plates on, on a table in front of Ella and they have like little weird spots on them. And basically the doctor then gives her some quote unquote medication. And within a few minutes, she starts to see things kind of form in the ink blots on the paper. Um, at, the first thing that she sees is a tall woman, a very tall, thin woman dressed in all black. She doesn't recognize the woman. She doesn't know who it is. So, you know, that's kind of a mystery right now. The second thing that she sees is um, a family of spiders dead. They're all dead with their legs curled up. And she specifically calls them a family, which is kind of interesting. I don't know that most people would look at a bunch of dead spiders and call them a family, but, you know, um, you know, let your Freud mind go wild with that one for a little bit. And then the third thing that she sees is a grandfather clock. Now, uh, the doctor asks her for, do you have any explanation on what these are? She has a very specific explanation of the spiders. She says that the spiders almost to her seem like they're representing the Holocaust. Of course, she is a Jewish woman. The Holocaust, you know, is a major um, kind of point of contention for all Jewish families, whether there's people in the family who survived the Holocaust or not. And obviously in this particular family, uh, her grandmother did survive the Holocaust. Uh, the grandmother's gone by this point. We don't actually meet her in the film. Uh, <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> from there, uh, the doctor asks her about, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the whole point of the spiders is that to her, it represents uh, dead Jewish people. The, the way that um, in the Holocaust, the Nazis would kill uh, Jews and then just pile them up because she said she saw a pile of dead spiders. And I don't know, I, they don't really look like a pile when, from what we see. It looks like just like, you know, four or five different spiders of varying sizes, all dead on their backs. And then the doctor asks her, okay, well, what about the grandfather clock? And she's like, oh, um, my, my father has a grandfather clock. It's the only thing that survived the old world, the only thing that they brought over uh, to America from the old world after escaping the Nazis. And so, you know, th th she understands what that symbolism is, kind of symbolizing, you know, the, the family the family's history, you know, everything that they've gone through in the Holocaust, blah, blah, blah. But like I said, she has no idea who the tall woman is. Eventually, she has to take a sensory deprivation um, session. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, a sensory deprivation tank is, is this little isolated pod. Um, usually there's water inside of it so that the person inside can kind of float with their own natural buoyancy. But then it's totally dark. There's no lights. There's no audio, you know, hence dep uh, depriving the person of their senses. And they're supposed to, you know, go on a you know, some kind of journey or find out information about themselves, hallucinations, whatever the case may be. In this particular case, they actually play a video for her. There's like a little video screen inside of the pod and they actually play a little video. And th this is where <laughs> it gets crazy because the video that they're showing is basically Dr. Simmons 
talking about fixing a clock. She literally is talking about the tools that you need, how much time it's going to take to fix the clock, things like that. But then what we're also seeing are flashbacks of babies being born, not flashbacks, but flash images of, you know, babies being born, very graphic images of baby, you know, close-ups of the birth canal and everything else. And then we get that spectacular image that I mentioned um, earlier of the pendulous baby fetus. Basically, what we see is Ella standing on a gurney on top of a hospital gurney, and she has a, a newborn fetus hanging outside of her vagina, but still connected by the umbilical cord. And the baby is literally swinging like the pendulum on a grandfather clock. So, you know, hence the pendulous fetus I mentioned earlier, one of the cooler images in the film. Um, obviously, you know, signifying, again, the biological clock, the, the whole theme of this entire movie, time, ticking, everything else. Throughout the film, too, I forgot to mention that Ella hears, like, the ticking of a clock mysteriously. At one point at the clinic, she ends up taking the batteries out of the clock in her room because the ticking is driving her crazy. Uh, and then, you know, we'll have a ticking clock scene a little bit later on coming up here. Uh, let's see, where are we? Um, and then <clears throat> one day when she is, uh, oh, oh, the, the, the deprivation tank, I'm sorry. Uh, basically, after a few minutes in the deprivation tank, she starts to freak out. Ella starts to freak out, and there is an emergency release button inside of the pod so that no one actually gets trapped in there. She ends up hitting the a release button, the pod opens, and there standing in front of her is a tall woman wearing all black, like like creepily tall, you know, like just just awful tall, skinny, all in black, just very witchy looking, you know. And then as the film continues, she'll have multiple encounters with the woman at one point as she's driving away from the clinic, she actually sees the woman in the middle of the road. Um, has a little bit of an episode, closes her eyes, counts to 10, says that she's not real, opens her eyes, and of course, she's not in the road anymore. But then we get the inevitable jump scare as the camera turns to the side. There's the woman right outside the driver's side window, kind of screaming at her with an impossibly large gaping mouth, um, which was kind of a mildly cool image, you know, nothing too crazy, but... uh as it turns out, the woman was actually a construction worker in the road, not a construction worker, a truck driver who was trying to flag down people because he had a flat tire. So, so obviously throughout the film, it's, it's determined uh, and very obviously pointed out to us that the, the medications that she's taking are causing hallucinations. She's lying to her doctor because her doctor's asking her, are there any side effects? And she's lying because she obviously wants the, pro the, the process to work. Um, the doctor ends up upping her dosage of that medication. She was taking 200 milligrams a day. Now she's going to be taking 300 milligrams a day. And obviously, you know, we got to figure the hallucinations are going to get crazier because she's lying to her doctor about them. And then we get to... What I guess is um, she also has a weird egg obsession after coming home from the uh, from the facility. Like she actually comes home and throws like a half dozen eggs in a frying pan. But then instead of actually frying them, she just starts eating them raw right out of the pan, which is kind of weird. 
Um, later on, we see that she took up uh, the rest of the eggs that were in that carton. She puts the carton in the freezer instead of in the regular refrigerator part. Later in the film, we see her grab another one of those frozen eggs and just start licking it sensually, which really fucking creeped me out. Because if the egg is supposed to represent, you know, the potential for future life um, and she's licking it sensually, that kind of freaked me out a little bit. But, you know, again... Um, she's officially baby crazy at this point. I, I, I think it's easy to say. Uh, let's see, what comes first? I think the, the, the grandfather clock comes first. So basically at one point her in the film, um, Ella's father calls her and says, I've fallen and I can't get up. No laughter, please. <laughs> um, so she goes rushing back to her father's house, finds him on the floor, uh, unable to get up. She helps him up and then they start talking. But the problem is, is as her father starts talking and starts relaying this story, the grandfather clock is just loud. The ticking of the grandfather clock is just intense to the point where she can't hear her father um, talking and she gets just so fucking pissed off at the clock that she just runs towards the grandfather clock, pushes it and dumps it off on the floor, just literally tips it over so that there's just clock parts everywhere then she goes and grabs a toolkit and starts just decimating the clock um she's smashing the face of the clock with a hammer she's pulling out its insides uh <laughs> any guesses on what's actually happening here hmm anyway uh so after that scene <laughs> she ends up going home her husband sees her with blood on her hands and she says oh i destroyed my father's grandfather clock because i was sick of it blah 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 and at this point, this is where the the treatment at the facility actually starts to work because she starts getting kind of turned on. She starts cutting the kind of getting hot and heavy with her father, with her ooh, not with her father. I'm sorry, with her husband. <laughs> and that's when. Oh, and <laughs> I'm sorry, I skipped something very important at the end of the um the procedure at the clinic on the her final day there. Uh, she has a metal implement kind of. In, put in her vagina and what it basically is it's like a hormone um, dispenser it basically dispenses the hormones that her body is lacking because obviously since she's not baby crazy at 38 there's obviously something wrong with her so they basically put this metal doodad up in her vagina uh, she's informed by the doctor this can never be removed uh, you know once it's in there it's in there for good blah 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 yeah, it's um, so almost like he, the reverse of IUD, right? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, exactly. I'll go with that. Um, <laughs> so after uh, after destroying her her father's grandfather clock and then coming home, she starts getting hot and heavy with her husband. Her husband gets naked, pulls out his junk, and he goes to insert, and he starts yelling like, "Ah, oh, what the hell? There's something sharp in there." And that's when we, in, in all its glory, we see the husband's penis fucking bleeding. I did not need to see a bleeding penis today. I can assure you that. But there it is. I saw one. So, obviously, the wife is freaked out. She's like, well, wait a minute. I waited the amount of time that I was told to not have sex. Because the doctor told her don't have sex for like a week or two. I forget exactly how long. Um, but finally, when they go to have sex, <laughs> they can't. Because this fucking thing inside of her vagina just busted her husband's the head of his penis just is bleeding it's just insane 
So she gets pissed off and literally doesn't put on shoes, doesn't put on clothes, literally still in her nightgown. She fucking just drives to the clinic, back to the clinic to find Dr. Simmons and then flat out tells Dr. Simmons, I want this fucking thing out of me. I want it out of me right now. And then the doctor kind of calms her down and tells her, but don't you want a child? And that's when Ella realizes, oh shit, I do want a child now. The therapy actually worked. I actually want a child now more than anything. So, of course, the doctor's like, all I did was exactly what you wanted me to do. Ella finally is like, you know what? If you're not going to take this thing out of me, I'm going to take it out myself. Uh, She pulls out a set of bloody pliers. Remember the bloody pliers? Uh, She pulls out a set of pre-bloody pliers, literally jams them up in her vagina and pulls the device out. When she pulls the device out, it obviously cuts up her insides pretty bad because she starts bleeding very badly, very reminiscent of the woman in our cold open, who, as I mentioned, was holding this mysterious piece of metal in her hand, this mysterious bloody piece of metal in her hand before committing suicide. So now Ella is, she's pissed off. um, And just as she decides to leave the clinic, because, you know, she's already basically pulled the thing out herself, so she doesn't need her doctor anymore. Just as she's about to leave, uh, three police units show up. Three police cars show up, and they're looking for Ella. Hmm, I wonder why. Um, Ella sees this. She hears one of the cops asking for her name, and that's when she takes off. She basically jumps in her car and takes off, and the police give chase. Why are the police chasing her, I wonder? Well, during the police chase, she receives a phone call from her husband. And her husband tells her, I'm at your father's house. I called the police. And she's like, why would you call the police? Because I destroyed his clock? And then that's when we get to see the scene again, but this time as it actually happened, not with the unreliable narrator. What actually happened was, while she was at her father's house helping him get back up, He starts telling a story of regret, how he regrets forcing her to try to have a child. And he talks about how I want to cherish every moment I have left with you. I'm an old man and I don't have much time left. And then she basically starts to freak out. She's like, no, I went through all this shit. I mean, she doesn't say these things, but in her head, I'm thinking she's like, no, I just went to this clinic. I went through all of this fucking bullshit just so that I finally would want a child. And now you're telling me I don't have to have one. And she absolutely snaps. Uh, so obviously, as you know, when when she's destroying the clock, she's actually destroying her father. We see her bashing her father's face in. We don't see any of the gore, unfortunately. We do see a little bit of intestine. Uh, if you remember, I mentioned that she was pulling out clock parts during that scene. Uh, when we see it, you know, without the unreliable narrator, we see that it's intestines and innards and other shit that she's actually pulling out while screaming at what she thinks is a grandfather clock. I have skipped a bunch of her hallucinations throughout the film. She's had hallucinations with spiders, more hallucinations with the tall black woman. Oh, I forgot the tall black woman, the tall woman in black. I forgot to tell everybody who she was. Um, Eventually, right before the scene where the father falls down, um, he finds a picture of his mother, who is, of course, Ella's grandmother, 
Uh, and Ella's never seen a picture. I mean, she's seen the picture, the, the close-up picture of her grandmother on the mantle, but that's the only picture she's ever seen of her. This picture is a full-length shot of her, and it shows that she was incredibly tall. She was a very tall woman, and she starts to realize, oh, shit, that's my grandmother who's been kind of stalking me and you know, all this time, blah, blah, blah. Um, so uh, so back, to, back to the end of the film – She's on the phone with her husband. The husband tells her, I called the police for what you did to your father. She real at, at that moment, like all, all the truth comes flooding in. She realizes, oh shit, I really am fucking insane. I just killed my own father thinking it was a grandfather clock. So she basically pulls over on the road, uh, appears to give herself up to the police. The police cuff her. They're about to put her into the squad car, but then she gets away from them and runs towards a cliff and jumps off the cliff. The movie at that point fades to black, you know, so for a couple of seconds, you think that's the end of the film, but then we actually do get an epitaph. And what we see is we see Ella at the bottom of the cliff that she just jumped from, but she has no damage on her body, no blood whatsoever. We even get like a, a long shot showing her entire body on the rock, and there's literally no blood anywhere. So I'm pretty sure they're implying this is the afterlife, because it just doesn't make sense that she jumped off a cliff and has no damage whatsoever. And then just as she wakes up and tries to get up, she sees a fish climbing out of, you know, kind of walking out of the water with his fins, his makeshift legs, you know, like that primordial fish that first came out of the water to be a land uh, mammal. And that's where the movie ends. It just ends with that symbolism of, you know, the, the start of another cycle. This is, you know, this is how humanity started. That first fish that came out of the ocean who would later, you know, evolve to be the first primates. So there you go. That's clock 2023, my friends. Do with, do with that information what you will, because I'm like I said, I'm sure if you have a vagina, this movie means a lot different things than it does to anybody with a penis. So rock on, ladies. <laughs> yeah, I am wondering if the if the end was supposed to either be the afterlife or or what, because I had the subtitles on and it it said splash. But I guess you could still hit the rocks even if you hit some water, too. Oh, valid. Yeah, I mean, she could hit the rocks first and then body parts fall into the water yeah we hear yeah, either splash, way that but we fall don't is tough her. to survive yeah. exactly and if she did hit the rocks then it's almost a guarantee but yeah like i said the, the mere fact that she's not wet she has no blood on her no damage no injuries in fact she looks better than she did before she jumped that should be kind of a telltale sign also um so yeah she sees, I don't, I don't know if that's her finally understanding what her father meant with, you know, the story of the primordial fish, or if it's just her living her hell. Maybe she's in hell. She has to live there and uh, hear or live out her father's story that he told to her multiple times as her punishment. I don't know. <laughs> Your interpretation is as good as mine, I think. Yeah, I was surprised we actually got a full shot of the husband's junk when he... Oh, God. Uh, yeah, in it. a Hulu movie. I'm like, straight on bleeding penis. Ah. <laughs> Just, not, yeah, not only is it awful to look at, it hurts. 
Yeah, I, I really didn't need to see that. I, I mean, I'm fine with it and stuff like pieces or something like that where it's kind of funny, but I, I mean, to, yeah, something like this. Ugh, no. I mean, you could have just told us that your dick was bleeding. We would have believed you. We didn't need to see it. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, you know, he you hear the crunch. He pulls out and he says, fuck, I'm bleeding. I mean, Jesus yep. Christ, I, you know, that would have been perfectly serviceable. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. There you go, folks. That's Clock 2023. Uh, you know, a pretty well-made movie. It's just a, a matter of if the storytelling works for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, with that said, let's uh, find out where else we can be heard and what's new before we get out of here. So, Venom, do you have something new for everyone to uh, be told about? Nothing new since we recorded the main show, obviously. We just did the main show three days ago. Um, Creature Comforts episode 16 is still the latest episode there. We look at Tremors. Um, Crystal Lake Gift Shop episode 3 is still the latest episode of that one. Uh, Mike and I will get off our ass and actually start doing episodes of that one again, because I really do want to get back into it. I don't want that to be a forgotten podcast. Um, Let's see. uh, I, I did a guest spot on Kill the Cast. With my friend Jerry Herring, Jay Murph, and Mr. Parker, Dave Parker, where we discussed zombie films, our favorite zombie films, and also uh, two or three different criteria um, for zombie films. So, you know, we, we basically do a list and then we do kind of a discussion ses- section where we talk about some of the more important zombie films, the most critically acclaimed, things like that. So that's the latest episode of Kill the Cast, which is available on Spotify. So go ahead and check that out. And I think that's it, right? Uh, I have another guest spot on Joe Blow Horror Show coming up, but that's going to be a little bit later. And that's about it for me, folks. All right. Uh, how about you, Don? Uh, yeah. Um, pencil in, because this is probably going to be a long one. Um, yeah. Uh, so latest episode of Creature Comforts is available. Um, we, you know, look at Tremors, which was a blast. Uh, plans are in motion for a new episode, which should be recording soon, I believe. But um, word on that to come. Um, I actually got called up to the majors and uh, did my second show with the main group. Uh, we well, I'll, I'll save that for a while. I'll let that be a surprise and give Mike something to talk about because he usually has nothing. Uh, I have a bunch of guest spots avail- uh, coming soon, it should be. Um, you know about the two I've been talking about. Uh, the Stu World Order uh, show with uh, Red 2 and uh, the Road to Nowhere episode on Fulci. But I also have another one that should be coming out or recording soon. I, I don't have the full details because uh, the, the agreement has been made to do the show, but no um, recording date has been set. But I'm going to be joining the DVD Infatuation podcast. Now, um, the thing with this one is that uh, the... The show is just going to be uh, six films you've never seen before, which um, that that it, you know, for me it's I, I'm doing genre fair. I know what my co what the host of the show is doing, but um, we'll discuss that when, more when it comes out. But uh, my uh, picks for that show are going to be uh, six films from genres I love as a sort of get-to-know-me kind of a thing. So I'm going to be looking at various films and various genres that are going to kind of encapsulate who I am as a movie fan and uh, everything about that. So that'll be uh, 
quite a bit of fun. And lastly, the latest episode of Horror Countdown is available. I look um, at the top 10 scariest masks, which uh, was pretty fun and uh, kind of an interesting topic. So, uh, you know, maybe some expected, uh, you know, heavy hitters out there, maybe some new ones you've never heard of or, you know, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, go ahead and give that one a listen. I think that's it, Um, because I think that was the last one I agreed to do. So, yeah, that uh, is pretty much it for me. All right. Uh, For me, it's the latest episode of Normal Room in Hell, number 52. We take a look at a couple Shaw Brothers horror movies, Curse of Evil and Haunted Tales. And as Don alluded to, he was our guest on that episode, so we got uh, all four core members of kind of like the No More Room in Hell Presents umbrella um, <laughs> on there. So that was a fun time, um, and that should be, if you're listening to this episode of Fresh Cuts, that probably will be out within a day or two of that. So you got something else to listen to. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it for me. Um, some summer series prep, but those won't be recording for a while um and, and yeah that's it um venom is there anything coming out in the theater this week do you know not really i was gonna i was gonna go see that shark movie that opened because i i know it didn't open nationwide uh black demon i believe um but it is mm-hmm. playing out here and it's playing right now but i didn't get a chance to see it because it's only showing on one screen at a weird time, like at 2.30 in the afternoon or something, which is kind of an odd time for me. I'm either sleeping or playing poker at 2.30. So um, so I'm going to try to check it out this week. But as far as national releases this week, I don't believe we have one now. Isn't the next one Boogeyman? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. That's uh, what? Um, I think it's first week of June, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I was just looking at the poster, but yeah, yeah, we still got a few weeks for that one. Yeah, and uh, because we mentioned Sarah, the Bone Woman, or since I mentioned it a lot, uh, it actually hits Shudder May 12th, so um, it could be a future episode on here. If Oh, for sure. That's, like releases. Oh, I'm, I'm pulling for that one because that's my favorite film of the year so far. Yeah, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot coming in May. Uh, we got the Blackening in June. We got um, the Boogeyman in June. Looks like May might be kind of a short month, too, or a, a light month for theatrical horror. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything in the list. Well, it makes sense. You put three out in one month, and you're going to take yeah. a break for the rest of them for the next one. Yeah. Four technically, because Evil oh, Dead true. Rise was the following week. Yeah, so that's true. That was yeah. a big. That was a big two week stretch for theatrical horror fans. It was probably that's very true, expensive yeah. if you don't have a club card or something, some kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. you know ticket plan. <laughs> so I'm saying four mm-hmm. in one month. You're gonna go light the next month. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Before <laughs> ramping up for the October, uh, you know, the glut of October horror films that we'll get. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, in that case, we will wrap this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will catch you uh, in about a week's time with a new one. So until then, let's say bye to our listeners. Later.
It's none of your goddamn business if someone doesn't want to have a kid. Leave him or her alone. Peace.